Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you again for joining us. This is a fun episode for me. I've mentioned plenty of times on the pod, but I will repeat it again. This is an episode that I had on VHS that I played multiple, multiple times because I remember this episode so vividly later on in my adulthood. And I've actually attached a link to the VHS grab so you can watch the episode as I had it recorded exactly 20 years ago. There is an ad on there for the Bikini Bowl leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. So in real time, we are also leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. So I was like, oh, wow, this is so perfect. I can't even. There are, I thought the commercials would be a little bit more funny, but it's only towards the end that like I actually started to enjoy them. Um, but I kept them all in for posterity because it just takes me way back. So definitely enjoy that. That's my little, you know, gift to you guys this week. And I do have rites of passage as well. And I want to say I have no exit. I'll see if I can also share those and uh, the commercials are good. One of them was on Deja Vu, which is, I don't think it exists anymore. I think it's known as Comedy Gold in Canada. But it was basically a channel similar to TV Land, but because we have different uh, rules with television, radio, Canadian content, licenses, yada, yada, yada. We can't have TV Land Canada, but we could have Deja Vu. And so the commercials are like very much tailored. To baby boomers, there was a lot of uh, retire in North Carolina ads. So I'll definitely try to get that up for you guys. Now, are you ready to get into it? This is a very big episode. A lot happens in maybe four days. We got some big guest stars. We have the mother of Robert De Niro's children. We have possibly a former protege and paramour of Prince. And we have one half of a magic duo. Drumroll, please. This week, we are breaking down season four, episode eight, entitled Like a Hurricane. Per IMDb, and I'm adding some extra grammar to this, Crockett is assigned to bodyguard a fading singing sensation and makes his displeasure known until he gets to know her a little bit better. Who is the her in question? Why, that is Sheena Easton. So at this time, she was already a worldwide star. So I, I'm also wondering why they didn't make this a little spicier. I understand this was still network TV, but you'll see what I mean as I get into it. But we open at a nightclub. We have a band playing in the background, more like rapping and dancing. And it's actually, they look really good. I made a gift of them dancing. And here's the song. So that's the MCs of rap performing. I don't know if all of them are also dancing because I got some sweet moves if I say so myself. As we have a waitress who looks amazing, but in this like pleather strapless corset with pleather sleeves. I hope how is she supposed to hold any drinks? I don't know. 
again, I'm thinking at it as like at a logical perspective. And this again, this is for show. So we have my man, not Kiefer Sutherland from 24, but Xander Berkeley, who always plays a dirtbag, but by all accounts seems very nice in real life. And he really loves his wife. And, you know, they raise their children. They have raised their children part time in Maine. Like he seems like an all around good guy, but he just looks and sounds like a sleazeball. And this episode, he is playing kind of a scumbag record agent guy named Tommy Love who is trying to get Caitlin Davies, a.k.a. Sheena Easton, kind of back in the, on the up and coming. She, like, I, like the IMDb <laughs> description said, she is a fading singer. So she's had her heyday, maybe because she didn't want to play by the rules. Maybe because she's talented, as we know in real life. But it seems like this guy is definitely up to no good, and she's not afraid to call him on it. Uh, this is a crazy business. You're up, you're down, you're, hey, it's just like the old days. You flash the cash, you get the play. The only difference is inflation. What, no hookers, Tommy? No blow? Would you like to talk into the microphone? Uh, the inflation he suggests that is what he opens up, what looks to be like a purse, maybe like a fancy money purse to basically show her lots of cash. And I think it's interesting he says, speaking to the microphone, hmm, foreshadowing. (laughs) And just to really lay this on thick, Tommy introduces Caitlin to Benny and Benny realizes exactly what he said right after he said it. Pleasure. I used to... (laughs) I am a big fan And Tommy is basically trying to grease Benny's palms. He really wants his newest ingenue, the young blonde girl, drinking her fun little tiki drink at the table. He wants her to be a star. So, you know, tries to grease the palms. When his little bribe isn't enough, he pulls out a car key, hands it to him, and tells him that. Right after this happens, surprise, surprise, Tommy gets picked up on Rico, a racketeering officer. I forget exactly what the description was. Picks him up and arrests him. Oof. However, Caitlin is happy to see this, and she basically lists all the people he screwed over and that this is his karma. Interesting. We don't cut to intro yet. We go back to OCB. Crockett is flipping a cassette in the air. Again, tuck that away for later. Walks in the office, talks about this mercenary he's been following, who's going to make this huge weapons deal. And so Castillo stops him in his tracks, tells him that's not happening, that's ATF's problem now, and that he has a new assignment. Do you know Caitlin Davies? Yeah, I heard of Aretha Franklin. Excuse me. And Barbara Streisand, too. Okay, so I played FBI. I've already spoken at length about Don Johnson and Barbara Streisand. However, I was seeing stuff online like, oh, Don Johnson was already dating Barbara Streisand at the time. Okay, this episode was filmed October 20th, 1987, to about November 4th, November 5th, 1987. Don Johnson 
and Barbara Streisand, per the Barbara Streisand archives, were first spotted on their first public date, January 22nd, 1988. I thought I did not have this written down and I didn't want to go listen to old podcast episodes. I swear they met at... It was either a New Year's Eve party or a New Year's Day in Aspen. So it was like around the holidays. So I don't think he had started dating her yet. He might have known her from, you know, winters in Aspen. But I don't think they were dating at the time of this. Because she doesn't show up until, again, like the back of her head in Badge of Dishonor for 10 more episodes. And they dated for around nine months. So they would have broken up like... I want to say like October to December, depending on what the official timeline is. Basically, when he, he uh, got back with Melanie Griffith and uh, then got her pregnant shortly after. All right, let's keep going. Oh, so Crockett is not happy. He goes back to his desk, complaining to Tubbs. Basically, there's like a nice little pun about a legend in her own time, as in, or a legend in her own mind. Ha 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 ha. She's washed up. Did you know? Then we get to the intro. Before I move on to the next scene, did you all see the guy wearing blue with sunglasses at OCB? I took a picture. You can see it at the gallery. You can see a ton of screenshots and gifts I make for each and every episode at the episode description at the bottom. After the intro, Crockett goes to a house quiet, beautiful, a little bit secluded, picks up the newspaper, knocks on the door. Beautiful woman answers, asks what his credentials are, aside from that pretty face. And he pulls out his badge, looking like a million bucks. But again, she is quite clever. Detective Crockett. You got some credentials other than that pretty face? Satisfying? Satisfaction's a whole nother thing. But you can come on in. This episode is full of amazing one-liners that you'll hear because I made a lot of audio clips. And she, Tukey Smith, and Xander Berkeley, they have the best ones. But let's get going because guess what? Crockett is going to meet Caitlin and... Oh boy, they're gonna butt heads. What are you gonna protect me with? A blow dryer? Ha ha ha. Oh, celebrities like you. Ha ha ha. It's very rom-com-y. I personally wish they'd made this a two-part episode because it just seems, oh, we have to work together. But again... Tookie comes in with another one of her great one-liners. Yeah, we don't get to meet too many uh, celebrities in my line of work. Mm-hmm. You only poke around in the little people's lives. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, those little people, messy little lives, messy little murders. I figured this would have been the chance for Crockett to, like, go more into his undercover work and how he can use it to protect her. But, yeah, he, it's it's... A great cheesy episode, but it's out of character. Let me put it this way. Now we get Tommy. He is back and sassy as ever while he's talking with his lawyer, who is 
Teller, I looked at the IMDb credits. I was like, that's not Teller. But again, you never really absorb what Teller looks like. And I only know him from like the 2000s. I don't even think it's him. I still don't believe it. (laughs) This again, Xander Berkeley, a.k.a. Tommy, is on it. Take a plea. The worst you get is a year reduced to six months. Are you serious or delirious? <laughs> Are you serious or delirious? And I like how he, it's like, I'm trying to pinpoint that accent. I read that he grew up in New York and studied Massachusetts. So I was like, did he just bring that with him? Because it sounds, he did not sound like that at all in 24. He is really, honestly, putting like 150% into this role and I love him so much for it. Like Sheena Easton is actually kind of like a secondary thought in this episode. (laughs) But before I say that, she's at home looking very cute and she is working on some music, looks at her watch. Oh no, she's late. Crockett just chilling, cleaning his gun. I think you do better things to be bodyguarding at the time, but what have you. I guess he's got to be prepared. It's got to be ready to go. She wants a ride. We have to go now. She's in a hurry. And you can definitely hear, hurry! Like, I can't even do the Scottish accent. There was a Scottish couple when I was in Greece this summer and we were talking, we were basically complaining. There was one bus that goes all the way across Santorini and back. And it was taking ever and ever and ever. And there were like 60 people waiting in line. I'm like, god damn, we're gonna have to wait again for the bus. It was so hot. So we're kind of talking about taking a cab and this woman says something to me. And normally I would be plain like, oh, pardon. I just go, what? And my boyfriend grabs my hand and I was about to say something. He's like, oh, thank you so much. And I, I turned to him and afterwards he's like, she was Scottish. She was trying to help you out. <laughs> she was trying to point out another couple that was also looking to take a taxi I didn't know she was speaking English. <laughs> I want to say they're from Glasgow. Sheena Easton's accent isn't as thick. And I think I've mentioned this before. My father's first wife was Scottish and he lived in Edinburgh and learned England in Scotland, English in Scotland. And I remember... I asked him, he was like, well, you've just learned, you know, like proper English in school and then you learn slang on the street. And I remember we got into a, uh, we're visiting Glasgow and again, do not understand a word they're saying. And my dad can converse with them and that's his third language. (laughs) I was like, how do you? (laughs) But again, he was exposed to it. Like that was his, that was how we learned English. So Scottish people, I don't know where that was going. Remember that Sheena Easton is also on the Scottish Walk of Fame. (laughs) At Charlie McKenzie's dad's house. And so I married an axe murderer. I do I even recap this episode. I am way over time and like way out there. I'm just having a lot of fun with this. This is a very fun episode. So again, he gets her to take a ride. Sorry, he takes her on a ride to the music studio. She gets in there. He also parks like a complete douchebag. So basically he pulls up straight up to almost the door. And you can see the logo of the recording studio there was a car parked perpendicular parked correctly so i was like wait did crockett just block this car in 
Is he escorting her in and then going back to move the car? Wouldn't that be more dangerous to leave her unattended in the record studio? So... (laughs) But that usually happens. You never see Crockett, like, parallel park or, you know, like, make a three... Like, do any of that. Like, you see a little bit of shifting in this episode with him and Billy. But, like, yeah, you never really see Crockett have to park. He just pulls up and does what he wants. (laughs) But in the recording studio... Crockett and I share the exact same opinion. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. No wonder your career's in the toilet. This is great. Another country heard from. Listen, can we keep these sessions closed, please? Who's footing the bill here? You or this guy? Uh, Again, Sheena Easton has a great voice. She has. Maybe they couldn't get the rights. Um, My notes say, play sugar walls, you cowards. That one's to you, Brandon Tartikoff. I got you, babe. That's what they got the rights to. Oh, this remake also gets worse and worse. But let's check in with some hired goons. Hired goons? That's that. What do you mean, that's that? I'm not going to let that little cretin steal 75000 bucks from us. Counting finds out about that. Forget about the money, Paul. If Lowe's not going to take a fool, he's going to name names. Who's? Mine. And who am I going to name, Paul? You. And you're going to name everybody but the janitor on the 10th floor. Then the subcommittee on payola reconvenes, and we got another two years of indictments and headlines. So? So, Tommy is about to become a very minor footnote in the history of rock and roll. Oh, I know what that means. Back at, I don't want to say the safe house, but back at Caitlin's house. Crockett tries to talk to her. She has these kind of like shells. I don't know exactly what they're called, but I took a picture of them. Yeah. And he's like kind of like tapping on them. She was talking to someone on the phone. Then she hung up. She was kind of like working and he kind of tries to make small talk and she kind of shoots him away. Now let's check in with our boy Tommy. Tommy's at the bowling alley with our guy, our guy, Benny, the one that he was bribing that, you know, he was trying to convince to make his new girl a star. Benny basically recommends that he convince Caitlin not to testify. Hmm. Then he grabs Benny by the arm, tells him he really needs to take this meeting. Benny is like, okay. Doesn't say okay, but you know, like that look in his eyes. Sends him away, takes a meeting with a guy says to make it look like an accident, accidente, then puts an envelope full of cash in his pocket. Again, this guy looks great. (laughs) You gotta go check the gallery. (laughs) Oh, man. So let's go back to Caitlyn's. Caitlyn really wants to go out. She is dressed cute. She has a little leather jacket on. She has boots on, a little black dress. She's hungry. She really wants to go out. Crockett does not want to go. But again, he is in charge of her safety. Surprise, surprise, they butt heads a little bit. Worry about it. I just don't want any greasy junk food, okay? I don't know why we can't order a pizza and have it delivered. Pizza's not junk food. Because I'm going out to dinner. You want to come and guard my body or not? (sighs) This is obviously when they bump into each other physically, and that's when the music changes. That kind of like harpischord score 
doesn't really do it for me. I really wanted like a cheesy, romantic, sensual Jan Hammer score. And I noticed in this episode that John Peterson is now in the credits of the music. It's not the same. Not the same. Well, however, Caitlin ends up getting her way. They're going out to dinner. And <laughs> she she wants to drive. And then she wants to just take it to Crockett a little bit more. Not in your wildest dreams. A woman ever driven your testosterone, Crockett? It's Testarosa. <laughs> oh, that is... Funny. Then on the way to the restaurant, they end up taking the boat because I guess it's by the bay. Then she makes all these innuendos. Is everything with Crockett that fast? Does she take does he take girls out on his boat to get them wet? She keeps getting a little bit judgier and judgier of like, who he is, because to her, he doesn't exemplify what she would assume would be a police bodyguard. Then to him, she just looks like a spoiled celebrity. So he finally gets sick of it. Basically explains that a car is part of his cover. His outfits, all the way down to his shoes, don't belong to him. They're part of his cover. That he makes $475 a week take home. Okay, so I did the math, but I left my phone in the other room so I could concentrate. In today's dollars, that would be thirteen, eighteen, fifty-nine weekly take-home after taxes. That is what I'm assuming his take-home means, unless he means pre-tax. Either way, that doesn't sound as bad as it sounded in the pilot, which again was technically like, Four years before this time. I meant to look up what it was in pilot. I did not. Sorry. And I know I have those notes somewhere. I'm sorry. (laughs) She kind of lets her guard down. She, you know, you can kind of tell that she feels a little bit of remorse for how judgy she was. She goes outside for some air. This, again, is after they had oysters. Now, the waiter also has come to them before they get in their little row and asks if they had been feeling anything from their oysters yet. Well, just you watch. As Caitlin goes to get some air, he follows her. The server makes a joke about dining and dashing, and as Crockett's paying the bills and lamenting the fact that the oysters are costing him 60 bucks, he notices something awry. And saves Caitlin just in time as a mustache gunman fires off at her. Shootout on the patio, Jesus, (laughs) goes on and he's able to get Caitlin back into his boat. Even though the one guy that fired at them in the restaurant, on the restaurant patio, is dead. Two more are also in a boat following Crockett. They shoot up his control panel as well. As one, as the guy who got the bribe from Tommy, or got the payment to whack Caitlin, jumps on the boat as he's been shot. You see him kind of grin at Caitlin, and then you just see the life fall from his face as she's making eye contact with him and falls in the water. The other guy drives off, and Crockett can't start his boat. 
she's rightfully freaking out. And Sonny sees how heavy this case and this trial really are for her and how much it's weighing on her. And she gets to explain why this means so much to her. Poor Will could get Tommy into court. Tommy got a couple of armed security guards to hang Will from the shower head in our hotel. You know that? Yeah. But I can't prove it. <laughs> sorry, her accent came out so strong there. I'm sorry, Kate. When I go to court next week, it's for payback, not publicity. I was wrong. So I was just about to lament that this flute music is really not the vibe. I am very much of the mindset that you know. They're like, I want some like sexy synth noir. And as I was just about to say anything, I'm like, let me make sure this song, this isn't not a Jan Hammer or other guy song. This is Conferring with the Moon by William Ackerman. It's not doing it for me. Because after this, surprise, surprise, they make out and it's really unappealing. It's really gross. I'm sorry. I think Don Johnson is so incredibly handsome and I love Sheena Easton. I don't love her, but I enjoy her. It's just gross. And it's just, it's so rough. I don't know. And then, okay, so in the cover art, I have been able to like zoom, zoom, zoom in and you can kind of see the pattern. You can see that like Crockett's shirt is black with a white pattern, geometric pattern, if you will. So you can see that I guess she's like pulled it open all the way. (laughs) But it's just so comical. Like this is prime 80s Don Johnson appearing like he's shirtless with a blazer on on a boat with a I love it. Well, surprise, 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 surprise. The next morning, they're uh, not really disclosing to Tubbs and Castillo what's going on, but they tell them the story of what happened. They obviously need to move Caitlin to a much more secure safe house than just her house, right? And just more team than just Crockett, right? So Crockett can kind of now relax. Tubbs, you can tell he can sense what's going on. He knows Crockett better than Crockett knows himself. Because just in like a minute later, when Crockett is carrying Caitlin's bags up to the room, throws them on the bed, and they sneak in a kiss. But they're not smart enough to make sure that there's no one around because Tubbs just walks straight up and sees them. They pause. I took a really good picture of them like half kiss like caught and there's a really well shot scene of Crockett and Tubbs as Crockett is frustrated throwing darts I wouldn't say frustrated but he definitely is frustrated because he knows he shouldn't be doing this and not as if he's like super at risk of anything but Tubbs does ask, like, does Castillo know? And then in the voiceover is like, well, Castillo is the one who told me to never let her out of my sight. Don't think that's what he meant. (laughs) But then we have a very 80s scene where Caitlin comes out in a silk bathrobe. I want to say it's like a very pale, pale, pale lilac. 
Crockett's wearing white, again, with pastel pants. As they're, you know, embracing each other. And then they ask the big question. Supposing this is over. You mean this? This. We're back in the real world. I get cases all the time where I'm out half the night. Okay. Sometimes all night. Fine. Sometimes I have to work all night in the studio. I'm not afraid of work. I've got a kid. What flavor? Boy. Billy. He's eight. So, uh... When do I get to meet him? Do you know what it means? I ain't afraid of no kid. And as she says this, she's back in the studio with a bunch of children still trying to record this I Got You Babe cover. And Crockett is just like sing along supporting it. No, Crockett, you were right. This does not need to be remade. Also, why is it not being remade as a duet? Could they not afford another pop star or just an actor pretending to be a pop star? Whatever. First, let's go back to Billy. She's like... I ain't afraid of no kid. Fair. Um, Crockett, you saw Billy after you shot a kid. Earlier this episode. When did you see Billy in between? Yeah. So, (laughs) now Billy is a really important part of your life. But you know what? I am quick to hop on this. If Caroline... His ex-wife and the mother of Billy can move on, and she is married now. I am not going to hold it against him. He's being a better father. All you can do is be a better father. You cannot always be the perfect father or the perfect mother, but you can be better. So, I will save my spiciness. Let's, speaking of spice, let's check in with Tommy. He is listening, watching the news in his office. His office is a... 80s dream go to the gallery as soon as you park go check out the gallery for this episode then so he's getting all like angry you know like hearing the news and that the guy basically sent to whack Caitlin didn't do a good job he's just walking out of his office when his secretary stops hello look I told you already your check will clear in a couple of days yeah. my god that is that is amazing Xander Berkeley you deserve a retroactive Emmy but plot wise the reason she <laughs> gets his attention is because a tape has been messengered over it is a dance remix of the blowguns remember the girl in the beginning it's their single so he can listen along and see what he thinks of it but They want him to listen to this ASAP. He's walking to his car, puts the cassette in, mumbles to himself. What is this, heavy metal? And then, kaboom, his car blows up. Not surprised at all. I could see this coming from miles away, even without the goons in the office. Or I shouldn't say goons, I should say, like, record executive. He's talking about this in the office. Not surprised at all. But let's juxtapose that car blowing up with Crockett and Billy. Billy is shifting the gears in the Testarossa. And Crockett brings it all the way back to Florence, Italy. 
in like a little, is this an Easter egg? Smooth enough. Just like Danny Sullivan. <laughs> no, your mom was pretty cool this time about letting you miss a day or two. She's a lot looser since she married Bob. Oh, she is, huh? Okay, the Danny Sullivan thing. And then Billy asks, do you like Caitlin? And it just sounds like this is kind of like a a way to push the plot forward. Like, I don't think you'd actually ask that because, like, you don't really get to see your dad that much, Billy. Maybe you should be asking him other questions. But, you know, it's a big deal. Crockett wants Billy to meet someone new right after his mother has just remarried. As they come in, the phone's ringing. So Crockett introduces Billy and Caitlin and they shake hands as Crockett gets the call answers it's Tubbs. Tubbs tells him what happened with Tommy. They don't know who did it. They just know that he blew up good. And they're by if Tommy's no longer on trial, Caitlin no longer will be testifying against him. Therefore Caitlin will no longer need protection. Hangs up. Goes to tell Caitlin what he just heard about Tommy and all that and that his assignment is over. But both of them want this, this relationship, to continue. She sits down on this. I don't know what these chairs are called. I'm so sorry. They're like the big wicker chairs you see in the South. Let me know what they're called. I'm so sorry. We don't have them. We have uh, we have the Muskoka chairs. They're hard. They're not soft like this. <laughs> and... She wants him to do it, to do it for real, to do like a real proposal. I'm also trying in my head to calculate the timeline of this relationship, but let's get to this first. We don't hear, or I don't hear, maybe I just kind of like, as much as I love this episode, I was like, I want to get, now that Xander Berkeley is gone, my heart's, my heart hurts a little bit. So now Crockett goes to OCB. He has big news. First, he wants to get Gina alone to let her know. First off, let me state how amazing Gina looks. In this like blush pink silk top, silver earrings, her hair, the red lips, looks like a million dollars. She, you could tell she's like kind of on the verge of tears. I do not know how I would do it. Uh, um, and again, we're in season four. They haven't hooked up for a while. He shot one of her boyfriends who turned to be a terrorist in season three. There, but you know what? I can't say because none of my exes have gone married. I don't know how I would feel. I think I wouldn't care. But if it was kind of like, it's okay, it's worse when it's that guy you never really dated or that girl you never really dated than an ex. So you could hear her emotion in her voice. About what? doesn't make now. I appreciate you telling me this, Sonny, but I really do have to go. 
so she walks off. He goes back into the office and shares the good news with everybody. And he's getting smiles and hugs. You get a good joke about Zwaitik being like, hey, you know, give me that address. (laughs) But again, no one knows Crockett better than Tubbs. Good friends. Lousy liars. Good friends usually are. How about you? You gonna tell me the truth? Okay. I'm a little happy. I'm a little worried. I can understand that. But Rico, I know this one. I can feel it. She's the one man, that's it. Mm, how many of the women you've dated have uh, tried to kill you or betrayed you or gotten you in situations that could jeopardize your life or your job? Just putting that out there. Well, I'm really happy for you, man. But I'm just a little worried about what might happen you know, a little further down the line. Yeah, well, we thought about that, you know. And I, um, I appreciate, you know, that you're concerned. I, I really do, man. But we've, we've, uh, we've asked all the right questions, I think, and, and we've, we've gotten the answers that we're happy with, and, hell, man, even our work hours work. <laughs> she works all night? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> she's, uh, you know, she's into the studio thing. And I mean, wait till you hear it. It sounds great, but she's not going to, you know, blow anything off the charts. And Ah, she- uh, okay, Sonny. Tell me how you really feel. This is your wife-to-be. And I understand you don't like her cover of I Got You, Babe. But... I would not want to hear that, personally, if I was about to get married. Well, again, this is what happened when you know someone for, like, four days. And it's true. I always thought I would kind of have that kind of crazy romance. But then when you're older, you're like, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of things that go into that. (laughs) And speaking of friends, trying to give advice to friends. We have Caitlin in her pool. Trying to talk to her assistant, and her assistant makes very valid observations. Kind of jokes that, like, yeah, everyone's going to know that Caitlin's with a narc. Literally. (laughs) And, oh, he doesn't want to go to that many parties. And she's like, yeah, because he's going to be hiding out in the bushes. Like, your boyfriend is not going to mix with your world. And I appreciate that. And you could tell that no matter what she says to Caitlin, it's not going to change her mind. Friends in love. Yes. She's not listening. <laughs> She's not listening. Oh, well, OCB has gotten everybody together to have a party for Sunny. We have some new characters. Got blue shirt, perm, gold aviators worn inside with the batch. 
for a going away party. Again, I don't think you need your badge there. I think everyone kind of gets the gist. Crockett gets a cigar. He's getting a hug. He's getting congratulations. He's getting tickets to New Zealand that were Gina's idea. Gina, who last we saw her, didn't want to talk to Crockett about this. All of a sudden is totally fine. I'm messing up the chronology in this. I don't care. Comes up to Crockett, caresses his face, like holds his face, is super close to his body, and just says, I just want you to be happy. Girl, are you over your ex or not? Because if that was my fiance, I would not be cool with that. Let's rewind it. And Tubbs does have a very nice speech. I'm going to make this short and sweet, okay? last minute get together was kind of um you know strange but we all know whose fault that was <laughs> but i'd like to point out that to the man every single person that i called said that they would be here without a doubt oh, we're here. All right, no matter how far they had to come no matter what plans had to be broken you're right and so i raised my glass not only to my friend and partner but to all his friends and all of the memories that we share with James Sonny Crockett. All right. And then we get a really nice speech from Castillo. Up, who's always had the fire, that refuses to lose sight of what is right. Loyal and unselfish. Congratulations, Sonny. That is succinct, eloquent, direct, and to the point. I love it. Now, it's not over just yet. We're back to our record company goons. They have just heard what happened to Tommy. Hmm. Now, they wouldn't have anything to do with it, right? I love the way they talk to each other because they're so subtle and so shady at the same time. Yeah. Heard a car overheated in Miami. Yeah, those imports really aren't designed for that humidity. <laughs> oh, man. And then they ask the most important question. Well, what are we going to do about Caitlin? Well, we're going to leave it at that because Caitlin is getting married. She is getting walked down the aisle by, I'm assuming, is a male relative. It might have been tough to get her dad to Scotland in two days depending on, like, work and other arrangements to get to this last-minute wedding. We see Gina in the audience. Again, girl, are you... What do you... I can't. I can't. Tubbs gives him a lovely wink. Billy looks a little bit uncomfortable, like any eight, nine-year-old would at a wedding, especially when you have to be, you know, like, in it and not just as a guest. Jan Hammer is killing it with the guitar, the keyboard guitar. We got some wild guests. We got a guy in a gray kind of like textured. I don't want to say it's textured. It is wild. It looks textured, but it's just like a leopard print blazer with a striped shirt underneath and with a silver tie. Then on the other side, you got a woman in a yellow leotard, sunglasses, gold chains, a white tutu like pink tutu skirt with a silver buckle belt with yellow tights or I guess it's the yellow leotard all the way down this is a daytime 
And it is very sweet. You mostly just hear kind of like the instrumental music in the background. You can hear the minister mouthing like, do you, James Sonny Crockett, take this woman to be your awfully wedded wife? And then you see Crockett mouth, I love you, to Caitlin. They kiss. It's not as disgusting and gratuitous. It's a little bit. I don't think you should make out at your ceremony. It is gross. I've seen it. Do a nice, friendly kiss. Don't use tongue. I think that's gross. Like, your family doesn't want to see that. Um, I really like the dress. I don't love it. It's... I actually know what I like more than her dress is, like, her accessories. Like, I love the bejeweled rose that she wears in her hair and her earrings. The dress is just, like, a little too 80s. And, again, she's so small. She has such a cute figure. She could wear something, like, a little bit more timeless. But, again, this is an episode of my advice. And with that cut, we are done. Crockett is a married man. He found a woman who worked the same schedule and therefore <laughs> he's like, you know, what? we got some sexual tension and we got matching schedules. Let's do it. And uh, that's all she wrote for Like a Hurricane. So let's get into it for Vice Tea. Caitlin's assistant was played by Tukey Smith. She, a model in the 70s, was also, after this episode aired, longtime girlfriend and father to Robert De Niro's children. A mother to his children. Robert De Niro now has seven children. (laughs) Him and Al Pacino last year, as we all saw in the news, both became fathers well into their golden years. By all accounts, she seems really cool. Her brother, Willie Smith, was a clothing designer that unfortunately I don't really recognize anything when I was reading up about him, um, who passed away quite young. But she has some fun modeling pictures and she seems like she's had like a really fun life and she seems really cool. I could not find out that much about her. That is my short vice tea. Now, Xander Berkeley, I know a little bit more about him because him and his wife, Sarah Clark, met on the set of 24 and they're still married to this day and they raise their children part-time in Maine and Los Angeles, which I think is very cute. I think he plays a dirtbag very well, but I think in real life, he's a very nice guy. And then we also have Teller. So Penn, uh, Penn was, Penn Gillette, I keep saying Penn Badgley, Penn Gillette was in The Prodigal Son. So I think that's kind of cool that like both of them are my advice. Again, I do not recognize him at all. So it could actually be a completely different man. It's like that video of Kiki Palmer. Like, apologies to this man. I have no idea who this man is. I'm sorry the vice tea was a little bit more spicy, but I did find that was a very interesting connection. You don't really see a Robert De Niro connection all that often. Now let's get to fashion. All right, let's make this obvious. As you could tell by my recap of the episode, you know who did not come in best dress? Neither Crockett nor Caitlin. You know who did? Gina. Looking like a million bucks with that blush pink silk blouse and the purple skirt. That's how I would like to be informed of my ex kind of boyfriend ex situationship. Oh my god, this was like one of the first situationships on television. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like I could feel this from a mile away. And it, oh, when your friends get into situationships and you're just like, I just have to let it happen. Like, this is a life changing event for you, and you just have to. <laughs> That's what it feels like. And for her to be like, so like, I don't want to talk about this, honey. No, 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 no. To let's get him tickets to New Zealand. I want him to be happy. 
And then he has to tell his wife, oh, we're going on our honeymoon to New Zealand because my ex or this girl in my office that I used to hook up with knows that I want to go there and thought that I wouldn't get into trouble as she caressed my face in front of the entire office. Gina, pick a lane. Sorry, my Gina rant over. I thought I was done with this. Okay, forget you, Gina, for now. We have best accessory were the fish sunglasses that Tukey Smith wears in the pool scene. Girlfriend's not listening. Girlfriend's not listening. Yeah, Gina, girlfriend's not listening. (laughs) Then we got a wild card. So again, my girl at OCB in blue with a glass of wine, gold aviators, and a badge, and a very tight perm, tied with the two wildly... Dressed guests at the wedding. (laughs) Then for best exterior, I have the shot of Caitlin and Crockett caressing with the palm trees behind them. And you have that skirt that looks really great on Sheena Easton's tiny waist. Now, interior decor, I had to give this to our main man, our man of the hour, Tommy, for his office. With the lights and like what looks like hubcaps. It's very, like, it's not that over-decorated, but what it has, it just makes it so 80s and of the time. Now, let's get to music. Uh, not really <laughs> feeling much on this episode. All right. One of these songs is fake. That Moon the Blowgun song that, that was the demo for the girl. That doesn't exist. That is a fake song. We have the Conferring with the Moon, which was the flute song, eh. When He Shines by Sheena Easton was what was playing kind of during the proposal scene. And they could have done a better job. They should have done We've Got Tonight. (laughs) They should have done Sugar Waltz. (laughs) Oh, my God. I got you, babe. So the winner by default in this episode is Domination by MCs of Rap. Because you know what? At least that was a catchy song. At least I could hear that multiple times and not roll my eyes in the back of the head like I got you, babe. As we finish up this episode, I want to choose my personal quote of the episode. Just want to thank you all for liking, for subscribing. Subscribe and like on YouTube. Find me wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Find me on all things social at Vice and Easy Podcast. As I'll see you next time. And as I bid you adieu... I got some words of wisdom for you. Are you serious or delirious? <laughs> because I couldn't pick just one. Hello. Look, I told you already, your check will clear in a couple of days. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time. Hey, man, Miami Wise is number one, your show.